on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Highlight Podcast, a super, as always, serious business podcast for only the most serious business people. No tongue in cheek at all. And today I'm joined by my good buddy and co-founder of High Beam Marketing, Austin Lynch. Austin, how you doing, man? Oh, it's Friday and I'm feeling serious, Chandler. I'm ready for a, a great conversation yeah. this morning. Of the two of us, you are the most serious, obviously. And uh, man, we got That's right. we got something big happening today. Usually we use this podcast to highlight what we're doing and, and to sort of build in public and let everybody see what our business is about and what we think about marketing. But today, I don't know how this is going to go. We're going to share the highlight with uh, Justin Bradford, the Director of Marketing and Communications at Special Olympics Tennessee. Justin, welcome into the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to being ultra serious. <laughs> yeah, we, we only do the most serious things here. That's right. Uh, you know, and I do appreciate you taking the time to join us today because, you know, Austin and I were doing some research and looking into what you've been up to. And you might be the busiest man in Central Tennessee. I don't know if I've met somebody that has more things on one plate while also balancing something on a foot than you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's that's the story of my life. And uh, so obviously just a little bit about me. I, I work in nonprofit, Special Olympics Tennessee, but also keep plenty of hobbies. I did uh, hockey broadcasting for 10 years and actually retired from that at the end of last season. Uh, so I wanted to try new things and and keep myself in yeah. the sports industry uh, with Special Olympics. So I'm doing plenty with sports still, have those connections with the Natural Predators, but was on 1-2-5 of the game for 10 years, broadcasted from there, uh, covered the Natural Predators for 10 years, uh, running my own uh, media outlet there, which, which is still live, uh, making sure we're continuing to mentor people that want to get into the industry, whether it's in sports marketing, communications, and whatnot, or, or broadcasting, giving them an outlet to podcast, uh, which is what you guys are doing here, you know, giving opportunities to people to, to talk about it and get that experience, and and then also doing things with movie reviews and podcasting there and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's been very fun. And then NASA brought me on to do a NASA social for the Artemis One launch, and that's been going on since August because it hasn't launched yet. Oh my so gosh. very busy, but that's that's the way I like my life. I like to have some good balance to where when I have my time to veg out, I can truly veg out. You've earned the veg. I, I that's like awesome. that. Yeah. And, and you just listed all that stuff off, and you're also I mean, you're still the director of marketing and communications for Special Olympics Tennessee. So like, that's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, t tell us a little bit about that organization and, and what you guys do, just for the people that don't know. Sure. So Special Olympics Tennessee, I'm sure plenty of people have heard Special Olympics before, uh, but maybe haven't heard of the local, the state organizations or what goes on year round. And what Special Olympics does is provides training, athletic competition and health screening for individuals and people with intellectual disabilities and those even that don't have intellectual disabilities. And so it's, it's one of those things that when I started back in April, it truly opened my eyes to the organization way more because a lot of folks probably think Special Olympics only does these track meets once a year, but don't realize that it is year round sports. So for instance, Tennessee offers 17 different sports and not just that wow. we offer athletic training as well. So it's going to D one per se down in cool Springs and doing training. It was called fit for life. And they're going with athletic trainers doing combines, you know, where the, wow. the, the huge That's tires so cool. are lifting the tires, using the row machines, uh, pulling things back and forth, doing tug of war, uh, and then also health screenings, because what has been found is that a lot of times uh, people with intellectual disabilities aren't always receiving the best health care that they can, especially in rural areas. And mm -hmm. we know a lot of our country has a lot of rural areas that are underserved when it comes to health care. So 
Special Olympics provides dental screening, eye screening, uh, mental health screening, uh, feet screening for wow. podiatry, so many different things. And that's part of my job is to make mm. people aware <laughs> of these things uh, so that it can yeah, increase man. fundraising, increase donations, increase awareness, increase public relations. Uh, so it is it's a lot that we do and that we cover. And I'm just excited to be able to tell that story. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. I I was born in South Georgia um, in a very small town. And so I very much relate to the side of things where, you know, healthcare is not as good in those areas as a larger city. You just have less talent there. So that's amazing. But I, it, it the world, it costs money, right? Like things cost money. And, and Austin and I have a lot of experience working with with nonprofits. And and so we've got some thoughts on how to market a nonprofit. But but what do you think is the most effective way to market a nonprofit? I mean, right now, right now, what I have come in to do, because what was unique about my position is it's the first of its kind in the organization. Uh, so they would had people that had done some minor marketing or they've outsourced some things or used the board or things like that to, to do it. But this is the first development of my position of an actual director of marketing. And then I added the communications later. So like, hey, I'm I'm doing a lot of PR and social media, all of that, we should probably have it all encompassing. So when, you know, all these vendors blindly cold email me, they realize I do both. <laughs> when I get those emails at 838 nights, like, you need us, pay us $15,000. Like, we're a nonprofit. Uh, but, but with, they don't know how that world works, do they? No, 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 they, no, they don't. I'm like, did you look at our website at all? Like, I can tell the people that do research at least, and I'll do- totally yeah. have a conversation with them if they at least went to the URL and went, oh, they probably need yep. some, like, a mix of pro bono and some, you know, actual guidance and everything, and then we can develop a relationship. A lot of people don't realize that. I'm sure we'll get into that later when we have yeah. a lot of fun in the series podcast. Uh, yeah. But but for me, <laughs> and I came into this position being brand new, and so I saw lots of opportunity because there's a lot of unawareness <laughs> about the organization overall through the state. If you've been exposed to it, yeah. yeah, you know about it. If you've done a fundraiser for it or you're in a company that has a, a, a special connection to it, most of it is because someone in their family has an intellectual disability or they know someone in, in their neighborhood or their community or they went to school with someone. But the general public doesn't necessarily know. And so for me and what I wanted to continue to do right off the bat was, well, one, we have to be consistent on social media because the algorithms... They, a lot of folks don't realize, obviously, that yeah. if you're not consistently posting and posting good content, then you're just not going to get served to people. And that's what I noticed because certainly certain things would get served. Uh, and that's th- yeah. LinkedIn was a very underserved thing for us. I'm like, as a nonprofit, if we're trying to get people to, to do fundraisers for us, to volunteer, yeah, or to be on our money. board, especially, we have to be active on yeah. LinkedIn as well. And that's one of those things I think nonprofits don't realize that hey, people want to see your story. And LinkedIn is a great way to continue to be served. And you got to push, push, push. Well, luckily for me, we had a huge event called the USA Games uh, about two months after I started. And this is a every four-year event. It's just like the Olympics where it's all of the United States and the Caribbean go to a city and compete for an entire week. Well, if you want content, wow. there's content <laughs> because we had 120 yeah. athletes go to Orlando, to the ESPN Water World of Sports at Disney World and compete in sports. So that led into my next big thing, which is just creating content and unique content because we didn't really have that. And that's a big thing for nonprofits to tell the story. And when you have mm-hmm. athletes that have stories about overcoming odds or challenges or being a huge part of their community, 
That right there, that, that's mm-hmm. gold. That's gold, Jerry, is when you have content <laughs> to push out there. So the big thing for me about the initial phase of marketing for nonprofits is tell your story. Tell story about your people, your staff members, the people that you serve. What kind of story do they have? And so I, I want to start a blog. So we have a blog, and I think we're up to 20 stories now just since launching it in the beginning of June. That's I great. Think when you look now, beginning of November, 20 is not too shabby when you're telling stories. And because no. teaching people is like, hey, not just as a content, it's increasing SEO. People are going to link to it. We're sharing the story with all across the state, not just Middle Tennessee. It's we have to create content, unique content, sharing pictures, sharing videos. And the big thing for me with how we started, I used to do a lot of hockey coverage, was we have to put content out there. That is different because people consume media in different ways. Some people want to read. Some people want to watch. Some people want to listen. Some people just want to skim. And if we could put content out there to where they could read a headline and they know exactly what's going on, that's great. We could put a picture with a caption. No, that's great. A video that's three minutes long, a video that's 10 minutes long, a story that's 400 words, a story that's 250 words. We have to vary the content because we want it to get served to the right people so they can continue to learn about us. Yeah, Man, that's I, great. I, I love that. I, I think we 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 work with both for-profits and non-profits, and I almost find that it's more easy of a sell to stakeholders that, hey, we have all these great stories because it's a non-profit. Like, non-profits mm-hmm. are essentially story-driven machines. Like, that's how we get people right. to, to donate at the end of the day. It's like, hey, I connected so emotionally with this story, and now I'm all into it. Uh, what is the guy's name? Uh, Charity Water founder? Um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Anyways. He, he found out that if he was to, instead of talking about the macro issue of water in third world and underdeveloped countries, if he just synthesized it down to one little girl that can't get the access to water she needs and just told her story of her day, which is a such a micro thing within a massive number, but that one little story was the differentiator and then has made them one of the, the largest charities in the world and the largest providers of, of water. Um, Chandler, I did the research for you. Scott Harrison. That's who you're looking Scott for. Scott Harrison. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, Scott Harrison. He wrote a book too, and it's, it's great. Um, but I don't know, is, is the biggest challenge with stakeholders inside of nonprofit organizations, just understanding that we need to be able to tell stories consistently to get the awareness you're talking about? Like, what is it? What, what's the challenge there? I think the challenge a lot in that we see this is, There's so many nonprofits out there vying for your money that need help, that need the money, that need the support. And what sets you aside? And I don't, we, most nonprofits are not seen as a competition against others because people have their own things that they become passionate about. And Special Olympics is one of the most trusted nonprofit brands in in the world. I mean, multiple studies have come out where people trust. When they hear that name, they trust it. So, we're not battling that. Mm-hmm. That is a battle that a lot of nonprofits have is like, are you legit? How much money is going to really support your nonprofit? How much is going to pay staff? And how much is going to actually support your athletes, people that you serve? We don't battle that in a great way because we have proven that we are legit. We have proven that the overall majority of the money goes to support the athletes directly uh, with our fundraising campaigns. So I think the challenge for us in particular, but for a lot of nonprofits is understanding that support's needed year round. And not just a one-time event, because a lot of times people volunteer at one big event and they're like, oh, that's great. I had so much fun. We'll see you next year. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we have an event in two months we could really use yet, too, kind of thing. Um, and understanding that for people that want to be a stakeholder is that it's not always monetary. It's time. 
time driven. Yeah. And volunteers are just as important to so many nonprofits. Not all of them, but so many of them specifically ours, because when we pull off these huge statewide events, where we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of athletes. We have a staff of 20 people right now. Not everyone can always make every single event. And so yeah. you have a staff of 20, but every single area director. So for instance, the way we're broken down is a lot of counties individually or grouped with maybe two or three other counties have their own area directors and they're volunteers. A lot of them are teachers or retired teachers, but they volunteer their time to lead their area. So right there, they're giving a lot of time. And I want to continue to tell the story of what they do because they put a lot of time and effort and they, because they're passionate about it. But what we need are always volunteers to work these events, whether it's scorekeeping or being an official or just making sure to welcome others or to do all these minor little things that help make an event run smoothly. I think that is a big thing for stakeholders to realize is that, yes, money is fantastic. It helps operating. It helps make sure we fund the athletes and give them the care they need. But time, giving time is a huge part for nonprofits to make sure that people understand that we value the four hours you give to us so, so very much because you make the experience great for our athletes. And that's number one for us is that they have a fantastic experience when they compete. Justin, yeah. and you, you know, you've mentioned the, the, the large number of events that's, you know, the special Olympics puts on and even the special Olympics, Tennessee, and you talk about the, you know, volunteers and like kind of just the scale of some of these events. We know that there's one going on tomorrow morning here in middle Tennessee, uh, we've obviously got some pretty exciting news about that. Justin, would you mind just walking us through kind of what's going on tomorrow? Tell us a little bit about the event and tell us about, you know, who all will be there and kind of what the, um, just what it's all about. Sure. So this is one of many events called the throwdown for special Olympics. And when I say throwdown, the R O W are capitalized in it because it's a rowing event. And this is where teams of, of multiple people get together and they're rowing for a cause, obviously trying to beat a time, uh, certain distances. Um, so many different competitions are happening within this, but it's teams getting together to row. And we're talking competitive rowing. It's not just a casual, oh, this is fun. This is so nice. No, we have world record holders coming in to compete in this event, and it's all to raise money. So you think of... of different ways the competitions raise money or people that might do walks or runs or 5Ks. Well, that's what this yeah. is like. They're rowing for a cause and they are people that are serious about rowing. A lot of people that are in, in the CrossFit world are doing this. I have some people I went to college with that are competing on this event. And so our athletes are going to be there as well too, uh, to be cheering on the people that are competing and also to row themselves. Um, so yeah, it's a full-on rowing competition. There's over 20 teams that are competing uh, people wow. are coming from all across the state. This is the Nashville one. Uh, there's one going on in Chattanooga as well later in the month of November. Uh, so what we do is we have a lot of these different events that are fundraising events. Uh, there's one called pulling for a purpose. That one takes place um, typically with our law enforcement uh, volunteers where they're actually pulling a huge armored vehicle, whether it be, Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whether it be a tank or a plane or things like that, where you're getting a group of people together to pull for a purpose, which is the purpose of Special That's Olympics, so cool. Tennessee. Uh, so we have lots of events like that. We have a polar plunge season is upon us as the temperatures get a little cooler outside as the season progresses. That'll be in February. And locally, there's going to be more than 10 across the state. So even oh if you gosh. are not able to make it to Nashville, there's plenty in East Tennessee, Chattanooga, Knoxville, um, all the way up to the northeast parts of Tennessee, Memphis, Jackson, 
uh, all across the state where people you can get together fundraise for special Olympics tennessee people have fun with it so a lot of companies will get involved in fundraise they wore costumes when they plunge um oh my the gosh. nashville one's also a chili kick cook-off so that's really fun that takes place at nissan stadium so we have so many events like this where people yeah. We want to make it inclusive as well. While we're being inclusive for our athletes, we want our, our volunteer events and our special events to be inclusive as well to where if there's a passion that people are interested in to want to raise money, we can make something fun for them. And so wow. people love That's to so row. Cool. It's a great workout, but they have fun with it. Polar plunge. Yeah, you're freezing cold, but people dress up in costumes. They do all these different fun things oh, to make yeah. it fun because of what they're doing uh, to raise money. So we have so many special events like that throughout the entire year um, that we just want people to be involved in. So you guys, you guys have all these events and then it's like, it, it, it's fodder for stories all day long. Right. So like, what is like, how, how do you specifically sort of tactically, what is your, what is your move for capturing those stories? Well, right now, as I'm trying to get used to things, I'm still less than a year in. So I'm still learning a lot about these events. So it's just like, okay, media alert. Every single time we have an event, send it out to local media that I think would be interested in maybe covering it. So yeah. that's been the, the first priority was, as we spoke about awareness earlier is making sure local media is aware and, and not that they weren't aware before, but for every single event, major event that we're putting on, whether it's a state or regional or a fundraising event is make media aware to say, Hey, not that you have to come out and do a three minute story, but this is a photo opportunity. This is a B roll opportunity. I can write a script for you, whether you want to do a 15 or 20 second feature on your broadcast or you want to come capture videos for your digit for your newspaper or for your blog. And so it's trying to make it again, accessible as an event. So bringing out awareness. So I want to make earned media is huge for me yeah. because I obviously am keeping yeah, a track of every single thing. I have PR trackers running now that we didn't used to have running before uh, because not always do people tag us and things. They don't always use our name correctly. Yeah. So oh it's gosh. making sure we're finding the stories and not just you through Google alert, but using other softwares as well to be able to track. Um, so that's big for me is earned media because that yeah. shows how much we're accomplishing and how much people are aware of us if we're having earned media. Then capturing stories in these events, it's one, let's talk to the person that organized it throughout the staff, make sure we have a quote from them and talk to whether it's a volunteer, talk to somebody that participated, or at least just share photos from the event. That's the first thing. <laughs> make sure we have some good photos from the event so we can push it out, but not yeah. just for the recap, but for the next time it comes, mm -hmm. we can promote it even better because we have photos. And that was one of the big things for me is, so do we have a picture? No. Well, we need a picture <laughs> that's not blurry <laughs> to be able to push it out. Uh, so that's been right. the thing for me is building an archive of a photo yeah. library. And that's why it's going to be so helpful for y'all to be at the Throwdown event. Because then we're going to have some great pictures. So really appreciate your time to volunteer, come out and capture some some fantastic photos. Because that's going to help us so much, not just to talk about this event, but for every single event in the future that features Throwdown. That we can utilize these photos like, this is what it is. This is how you yeah. do it. This is what it looks like when you're at it too. Because photos tell so much of a story for events like this that we're going to be able to talk about it. So that's the big thing for me is that always thinking to the future of, okay, is this an annual event? Is this a one-off? If it's an annual event, we're going to do it again. We have to capture stuff for the future. And that's what I'm always thinking of when I'm capturing for stories is if we're capturing a story, if we're capturing photos and video, how can I use this the next year and the year after that so we can continue to market the event to make sure the next one's even bigger? Yeah. I, I, I think there's been a miscommunication or somebody somewhere just didn't get this lesson that 
in 2022 and, and for the foreseeable future, we're all media companies. You know, we're all marketers on this podcast here specifically, but Austin and I, I mean, our job is B2B sales, right? Like that is ultimately like what we're doing. We're constantly trying to go convince these stakeholders of different companies like, hey, you need to be running ads. You need to be building content, doing all the things. And it is a, the mindset shift at a organizational level and at a budget level has to become, we are now like ABC, CBS, Fox, uh, Disney. Like we may not be at that scale, but we are those companies. Like we are a ESPN, right? Like you mentioned earlier, doing some stuff with 1025 here in Nashville. Like it is a, and the worst part is, is you talked about all the different mediums, the visual, the written, the audio. Right. You're now a media company, not only a media company, you're a media company across every discipline. So you have to be getting the photos like you're talking about. You have to be capturing written words and quotes like a journalist. Mm -hmm. And so now it is, it is a, what I'm hearing you say is that every organization should as quickly as possible, put a sort of like utilitarian marketer into their organization that does a, back to your point, does marketing and communications and journalism and knows how to do project management and knows how to, and like it is, it is such a crazy skill set that modern day marketers have to have, especially in the nonprofit world. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. So before my time with the, with Special Olympics, I was with the Nashville Symphony uh, for six and a half years. Uh, a huge nonprofit just because it's a venue and they put on performances and events as well. But that's the way we treated it. So exactly like you're saying is that the marketing and communications, but specifically the communications department, we treat it as an internal agency. That's exactly how we treat it because not only did we have to sell tickets, but we had to talk about the education, the music education that was going on. We had to talk with development on how to fundraise and working at development events. We also had to put out there the word on selling the space for rental spaces we had to do so much. And so that's why we had me in digital media. We had a publicist. We had two graphic designers plus a VP. Mm -hmm. And it was an internal agency because you're having to balance. Okay, well, yes, we have to sell tickets, but we also have to talk about music education because that's the mission. Oh, but we have to fundraise to make sure that we can support music <laughs> education. So all those things right. encompassed into one. Yeah, that's exactly what the job of a marketing of a Markcom person is nowadays. And why when we see on <laughs> applications, the list of bullet points is so long oh of my skills God. that someone Endless. would prefer you to have. And I'm like, I am so glad I taught one. myself. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's one of those things. I'm an elder millennial. So when I was in college, there weren't courses on digital media. It was just marketing. That's all it was. So I started yep. in, in college is where I started. Up. My first job out of, out of university was alumni relations. And so I'm the one that built the Facebook page up. I'm the one that built the Twitter account up before they even had Facebook pages, just a profile that you had to switch it to a page. Like, self-taught so many <laughs> of us school. that are in our like mid-30s and up are self-taught in how we're doing yeah. this mark com thing nowadays which i think is awesome because organically we've had to learn and we know how to adapt and evolve right now because we had to and because our jobs depended on it but that's exactly what we have to do now we have to do a little bit of graphic design especially me i'm the only one it, truly in my department so Canva and people, roll, if they're a graphic designer, they're going to roll their eyes hard at me. But that's what I have to use. I have to use Canva. I can use Photoshop templates, but Canva is my graphic design world right now. And it has been so yeah. helpful to me to use it to make it look a little bit more professional because on my wish list in the budget is like, we need a graphic designer <laughs> really badly because they could do stuff I can't. 
Um, yep. But exactly to your point, Chandler, is that we are agencies within our own organizations. I, I think what you just said is a really I want to I want to I, I want people to hear this. The law of diminishing returns is something I think about as a business owner and entrepreneur all the time. And as a marketer, I even think about it because people will often use the excuse, well, I can't do it perfectly. I can't do it as good as Nike. I can't do it as well as insert whatever company or organization you want there. And so their, their option is to just, I'm just not going to do it. And I'm going to go do the thing that has sort of always brought me whatever result it's brought me. And I'm not going to actually elevate the business across the board. Doing nothing is a terrible idea. Like it is, the case studies are there. It is no longer an option to say like doing podcasting and doing YouTube and doing stuff like blogging. It, 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 the, the jury's out. It's over. It is a thing you should be doing just because you don't have the money to pay for a copywriter to come in and give you a 2000 word SEO enriched blog <laughs> that is like level 100 doesn't mean you shouldn't do your version of level 20 because you'll never get to level 100, especially as a smaller startup organization and nonprofits, especially because like you said, there's so much competition for limited, a limited supply of donation dollars, unfortunately, but you know, that's the world, that's the game we're playing right now that if you don't go out and find a way to make it happen, like you're never, it's never going to get easier for you. Collecting money is never going to get easier. It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. We, we always that, have to be thinking on our feet. We always yeah. have to think on our feet. We always have to find different ways. And for, so for instance, well, this is a great conversation. This is fun. Cause I get to talk shop like this with people that know exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, we feel what, your pain, Justin. What's, what's been great is like <laughs> barriers for nonprofits, especially on people to donate. There's so so many barriers where people find an excuse. Oh, yeah. well, if you don't offer it this way, you know, I just prefer giving money this way. So the big thing for us is we have to make sure we're offering so many different ways for people to give that we did the Radiothon with 1025 The Game where we were featured for eight hours. We had a guest every single hour about Special Olympics, but we did a text to give campaign. That was the first time we've ever done text to give. So we had to do the research. We talked to the company that works with a lot of nonprofits. Oh, yeah. And we raised a little bit of money, basically enough to cover the cost of having text to give for the whole year, which for a soft launch, if we break even, by all means, that's yeah, great. Because that seems that's like a great one thing. One less barrier, but they also offer an online component. So it's text to give where people can have a link and they click the link and they just enter their phone number and then it goes through the process. Then we finally got Venmo and PayPal done as well. Yep. So within the past two weeks, we've opened up three more options for people to be able to donate to oh, us yeah. because we're trying to find different ways. People prefer it, whether we're out in the field, like, oh, we have a way to pay, like, here's a QR code. Or, you know, we do Ven Venmo, here's our username, and not just yep. go to our website because I think go to our website is the lazy way of trying to earn donations. You have to make it as easy as possible for a patron, a future patron, a future stakeholder to be a part of your organization through fundraising, through volunteer work, through anything. And that is part of my yep. job is what can we do to push that message out of it is so easy to support us blank here's here's how you do it <laughs> yeah. yeah austin will tell you about Justin, this. we I work mean, with a lot of e-com clients it's frictionless buying yeah, that yeah. is the thing you've got to set yes. up right austin oh yeah and we're talking about you know how we need to be the jack of all trades when it comes to marketing communications and everything else it really payment processing has to fit in there somewhere too because today you mentioned you've got text to give you've got paypal cash app venmo someone asked me the other day if i had zelle and i'm like i don't even know what zelle is but that's the I new one that. justin yep. you might want to get yep, you oh, might yeah. want to get special olympics on zelle so like I, it's just amazing how many different options there are and you have to be aware of all of those 
Um, and it's amazing. You know, one of the things we discovered recently working with uh, a nonprofit here in Middle Tennessee called The Rabbit Room, they we, we helped them unlock uh, a Google Ads grant, mm-hmm. which was one way to kind of like reach new people. You if you don't do know that, about Justin? it, we mm-hmm. – yeah, it's amazing. Do, yes. I mean we, we – we've talked about it a couple of times on our show and you know, if you're a nonprofit and you're not using it, it's, it's pretty easy to sign up. I mean, if you've got your kind of, uh, founding documents, uh, you can pretty easily get this set up and you get up to $10,000 a month and free Google ad spend. Now the delivery on that's a little bit, um, a little bit more <laughs> tricky than it is right. your, your normal typical ad. You're, you're going to have a little bit of harder time, you know, getting this crazy scale, but it's still an opportunity out there. So when we talk about being jack of all trades in the nonprofit spectrum, you have to literally just know so much from marketing payment, you know, knowing what your options are, who's out there to support you. You know, Google actually does do a great job of that. So man, there's just a lot going on in that world. There really is. And the Google grant thing, you know, if you're a nonprofit, and you have not taken advantage of Google Grant, you are almost literally throwing away money. Free money. Yeah. And nowadays, in this economy, there's no free money. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you got to go get the free money, and it's great for awareness. That's what Google Grants are so fantastic with, is just raising awareness yeah. for your nonprofit and what you do, because you can't really use it for anything else aside from awareness. But but yeah. do it. Y'all, I, I, can't, I can't impose more than what Austin's even saying here, is you have to sign up for your Google Grant and get that free money to just put yourself out there. That is a huge step one of what you're doing for your awareness campaign oh, yeah. Google Grant. I love the I love the theme that's developed in this episode, which is just it the core driver it sounds like for nonprofits to go from where they are to a more successful future is increasing awareness with the right group of people. Which I think it's interesting. A lot of the times we work with nonprofits because they're so story driven and it's so emotional a lot of times versus like a traditional P and L business. Um, is that they don't think they need to go out and tell the stories because they think they should just be so organically out there. So my question is, is if you had, I, I may know the answer, I, but I'm, this is our favorite question to ask people. It's like, <laughs> if, if I could magically, me and Austin, we won the Powerball tomorrow and we had unlimited funds and I was going to strike you a check and we were going to 10X your budget. Okay. What, what would you spend that money on? Like, what do you uh, think you would do next? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, to be well, clear, I'm designer, it sounds like. Ball. No, I know, I know. I'm just thinking of what I keep saying: 1.5 billion. Could we get like a hundred thousand of that? Yeah. <laughs> like, just you know, small. Yeah. Time. Oh my god. I, yeah. <laughs> what that could do for for any nonprofit just to have a few extra yeah. thousand dollars. So, for me to give it, for instance, what we're doing is we are fundraising big time with corporate right now. That's the big push. We hired a chief development officer uh, right after me. He started, gosh, I think a month and a half after me. And that was a huge push there too, because if we're going to grow as an organization, we have to be able to fundraise, but it can't just be, while we appreciate a hundred dollar donation, we need six figures to be coming in from companies that are writing off all this money. And so the big thing for me with our budget is I put in for 2023. What I want to do is build awareness campaigns. And so part of that's billboards, digital billboards, because so nowadays you have so much control over billboards compared to before where you had to, you know, pay for them to paint it up. And then you don't know if it's oh, yeah. working. You don't know what you're serving either. Now Austin, digital, the lights could be broken. Oh my gosh. Oh, right. Oh gosh. I, yeah. <laughs> we used Austin's to buy billboards nationally. And, about digital billboards. 
Well, the old, yeah, the, the typical banners, I mean, they literally, like, if the light bulb goes out, like, you're you're kind of SOL, at, yep. you know, from, what, 5 p.m. to, you're missing, like, half the day. I mean, we have seen it all, you know. Yeah. The, the, a bad wind comes through, and all of a sudden, your, <laughs> your ad's in the tree next door, you know. And all of a sudden, it's the Got Milk for the Predators ticket campaign from 1998 just appearing. <laughs> uh, um, but, but for me... I want to build awareness. And the big thing that my CDO said is I want us to do marketing and put, put ourselves out there so much that people are like, what's special Olympics Tennessee up to? We want people questioning yeah. of all of a sudden they see us everywhere. There's but my so big much. Thing, yes. Yeah. With using a big budget is I know billboards aren't necessarily the way to go, but I want simple billboards that just get the message across of what we do to just make it to where it coincides with everything else they may see on the internet. So I want you guys feature... gotten into running Facebook ads yet with that kind of not that's in thought. the budget for for 2023. We've done yeah. some individual ones like right now mm-hmm. we have we have a charity auction going on and so I'm running a Facebook ad for that just to bring awareness to certain items because yeah. there's something for Nashville SC, something for the Nashville Predators. You know, specific fandoms can be reached yeah. Yeah. through that, but not for specifically awareness because there isn't the budget for that in this this calendar year. But yeah. there's going to be next year, I guarantee you. Uh, yeah, because me and Austin are going to win the Powerball and strike a oh, million-dollar exactly. check. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. <laughs> so in the billboard campaigns, I want to feature photos of our athletes specifically to those areas. Because that's mm-hmm. what I want to do is that so many of our that's athletes awesome. work at work at a Publix or they work at a local coffee shop. They're in the community working and not just hiding. They're out there. So if you're in East Tennessee and you see a billboard of an athlete, it's like, oh, I, I know him. He works at Publix. Yeah. That yeah. right there, you're creating a personal connection for people that may not even realize that that athlete participates in Special Olympics. They just thought he worked at Publix and has intellectual disabilities, but they didn't know that this person competes at the highest level. They deadlift 350 pounds. They do all that kind of stuff. That's what I want to do is build awareness through that with simple, simple, simple messaging on a billboard. Yeah. Then coincide with Facebook and Instagram ads. Continue on with content, pushing content out. But then also utilizing that money to specifically do streaming ads as well. People are consuming so many things through streaming, through Hulu. There's opportunity there. There's opportunity with YouTube TV. There's so many opportunities there that I want full awareness campaigns that aren't necessarily a specific event, but I want people to know when I say special mix Tennessee, it's like you do this. That's what I want them to scream at me because they know the ads. They see the ads. Not that they get tired of it, but I want to start sharing messages to where it's not just awareness, but then we start storytelling in our ads. That's Mm -hmm. when it becomes the next step of awareness because then people know who we are. Now let's feature what we do and truly do. Emotional content is king. Yes. Yeah. I I wonder if you could get like a Publix or one of these larger, even small businesses would be into doing this, like a co-branded billboard type thing where they just put up the money for it and make it a donation. Maybe there's a way to do that. I don't know. There there absolutely could be. And that's something we're working on is building more partnerships. And that's why we kind of changing the branding of what we do with development, because right now it's a sponsorship. So I'm going with something we did at the symphonies. We changed it to saying partner because I think partner carries so much more weight because it's a two-way street yeah. when you're a partner. When you're a sponsor, a lot of people think, well, I'm just throwing money and they do whatever they money. want. Well, when you're yeah. a partner, you're invested. And that's why it's yeah. so important to me is that we call them partners. Because it doesn't have to be a company. It could be an individual. It could be a foundation. And so if you say sponsor, 
with an individual or foundation it doesn't ring as true because typically an individual or foundation they're more invested in it because they want to see what you're doing they truly want to see so partners really want to want to push out because people feel like there's a partnership of they're involved they're volunteering what are they doing they're, they're being very involved so we have so many great corporate partners right now too that we can count on these companies to send a group of people whenever we have an event that's a partnership because not only are they given to us they feel like they're getting so much out of it when they come as well so we give to them what they want to see to fulfill their heart and their needs um, to make them feel really great about themselves but also to give back to the community but they also support us monetarily so that's the big thing too is building up partnerships with companies like that whether it's through marketing campaigns and publics we, we have a partnership with publics to where it's a it's going to happen at the beginning of the calendar year and this is throughout the, all of the Southeast. So every single special mix organization in the Southeast that has publics in their state is going to benefit from this. That when you're checking out, That's they're going to ask if you want to round up. And it's a true round up to where you get a set of coupons. I think it's typically sometimes P&G or other companies, you get coupons and you round up. But I even made sure to clarify, like, this isn't already a set donation from Publix, right? This is a true roundup campaign. They're like, no, no, no. This is real. Because so many days we see roundup. And they're like, oh, well, they already made their $10,000 donation. This is just getting their oh, money to pay back. No, whatever gets rounded up truly goes into a fund that comes back to Special Mix Tennessee. And I think that's important for marketing, too, for people to understand, because people get so leery nowadays about what their money goes to, that if we can make sure people understand that, no, it truly does round up, and there's going to be, it's not a whole number that's going to come to us. People see $10,000, like, did people really give to where it's equal to zero, 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 zero after that one? No, it's like, and 26 yeah. cents. Then you're like, okay, that's legit. Uh, so, but that's yeah. going to happen at Publix too. So we have a great partnership with them. That's amazing. I, I love copywriting because I think words matter. And partnership is such a brilliant switch. I, I love that. I love that. Well, I, uh, I, I gotta, we got to, we talk about compensation. You talk about paying bills. So this is how Austin and I pay our bills. So here's our little ad read for today. And uh, if you've enjoyed this show, like, please reach out to Justin. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But I will tell you that, you know, high B marketing exists as a partner. You know, Justin is talking about the importance of partnerships. And that's what we do with high B marketing. High B marketing is all about plugging in our marketers to your organization, basically like employees, but it's not the cost of a full-time employee. So in most worlds, what ends up happening is a marketing director like a Justin goes to upwork.com, searches for freelancer of insert thing, and then has to basically trust the review site to do a good job of recommending the best fit for that job. And then I would be looking at it going like, how many of these reviews are real? What's, is the project even comparable to what we're doing? Like, can I build an actual partnership with this organization? And you know, that's why we started High Beam Marketing was basically to actually go out and serve our partners and actually become parts of business because the only way we grow as a company is when you grow as a company. And so if you're interested in that, check out highbeammarketing.com, fill out the contact form and uh, reach out. So Austin, you've been chomping at the bit. Like this is all I've heard about all week. When, when you confirmed Justin as a guest, you were like, bro, we got to ask him about this. I got to <laughs> talk to him about this. And everybody knows I'm the annoyingly serious one and you're the actual fun one of the team. So like, we, well, we did I'm the glad work. you made we that. We did point. the hard thing first. Here, here you go. You got your shot. This is uh -oh. you right here. Oh boy. Yeah. Justin, I hope well, you're ready, man. Because you know, I, yeah, could go a number of directions. Uh, no, Hit no. Me. I mean, we've heard we've heard a ton about the Special Olympics and all the great work you're doing there. I have no doubt that in 2023, the Special Olympics Tennessee is going to be bigger and better than ever. But I have to ask, you know, about three months ago, four months ago, 
and you mentioned it earlier, we heard about you being invited as a journalist to work with NASA on the Artemis space launch. I'm a big geek. I love all things, you know, rockets, uh, space, you know, it's just, I feel like every, every guy's ingrained that way from like what age one to three, and then it just keeps going. So, space and dinosaurs. uh, <laughs> That's right. It's it's like space dinosaurs or trucks, right? It's one yeah. of those. And for me, I think space is probably the way I went. But anyway, tell me a little bit about kind of like how you ended up there, what's going on with the launch, what you're doing, and um, yeah, what you're excited about with that project. Yeah, this was – I've been a space nerd since I was a child too, so yeah, we're ingrained. <laughs> it's It's been one of those things that was really awesome. And what got me – what got me for it was a Facebook post of all things. To where it was just a Facebook post that. saying that we are inviting influencers out to cover the Artemis 1 launch. And I was kind of familiar with what Artemis was. Uh, but, you know, it goes in waves. Interest goes in waves. Since the shuttle program it diminished, it, the, yeah. it hasn't been as exciting. But even though the International Space Station, so I still keep up. I still follow along with the James Webb Telescope and what's been going on with that, which was fantastic. And I saw this as like, you get to go down to witness Artemis 1, which is the launch of a whole new program, which is going to put yeah. people back on the moon. And I was like, oh, oh, y yeah, that's right. I want to go. Uh, because <laughs> the background for what this is, is this is the test launch, is what Artemis 1 is going to be, which is going to send a vehicle meant for human travel the farthest distance into space ever. So further past the moon than what Apollo did, and then land on a part of the moon when it's ready to go land on the part of the moon that has not been landed on before, which would be on a polar side of the moon because they want to see if there is water because eventually what is going to happen is there's going to be a base built on the moon as a launching pad towards Mars. Like this is all about going to Mars. So you start thinking decades so in the crazy. future. It, it really is. And so Artemis two, which is set for 2024 will carry people. Uh, and actually do the whole thing, what Artemis 1 is doing, go around the moon, have a long mission. So this is not like a week-long mission. This is meant to be multiple weeks long. So it's really testing the limits of things. And that's why they have to test it to see what kind of, you know, uh, energy they're being exposed to, what kind of you know, rays they're being exposed wow. to, everything they're being exposed to in deep space. That's not just, you know, a couple hundred miles above the Earth, <laughs> but deep space. Yeah. Uh, so they're testing the suits. They're testing what gravity can do. They're testing all these different types of things. And then the third one, is going to land on the moon, and that's 2025 is what it's scheduled for. 2025, land on the moon. It'll feature the first woman and the first person of color landing on the moon. Um, wow. So it, it's it's history in the making, and there's multiple Artemis missions after that. They only have the first three because eventually, yeah, they want to build a space station around the moon and a, a base on the moon as well with the intent of doing all these testing because they want to be able to launch deep space into Mars. That's the background. So... I apply and thinking, oh, there's got to be thousands of people applying. There's no way they're going to choose me. I'm not a space influencer. I'm just. You can't win if you don't try, though, Justin. I know. I know. So I just filled it out and filled it out and, and looked like, well, I mean, I have I have a decent amount of followers on Twitter. I talk about stuff. I've done journalism. I do film and everything. So people are interested. People are nerds. It's okay. And yeah. I wake up one morning and I always scroll my email real quick when I roll over. And I see something from NASA in my primary gym. I'm like, well, it's from NASA in my primary. Now my promotions, they're not selling me something. So I open it. It's like, congratulations, you've been selected. When I say I jumped out of bed, I need you to imagine the mom and dad in Home Alone when they realized their alarm did not go off. 
that's the kind of jumping out of the bed that I did and went expletive expletive <laughs> and went, I got it called my wife and me she's like you got what <laughs> like oh that's yeah, right. right so I forgot to tell you that I applied for this thing so I get down to Cape Kennedy uh, to Kennedy Space Center and I'm meeting so many different influences from across the world so there's people from South America there's people from Europe the European Space Agency so I'm meeting cool. people that are work for Twitter that work for Facebook and, and their government agencies wow. so I'm meeting lots of people that do marketing and communications just kind of different in their fields someone from the National Air and Space Museum um, other people that are like me that are just love space uh, and, and that's what was so cool is that we got to see so many behind the scenes action of things and talk to so many astronauts. I talked to at least 10 astronauts. I'm like, this is, this is cool. That's crazy. People that have built the rockets, people that worked in the Saturn V, people oh that worked gosh. in the space shuttle, people that have been to, obviously to space, people that are partners with NASA that build so many different things. And what yeah. I took that as being an influence is I'm not just going to soak this in. I want to share this with my community. So if people go back and you have to go back to August and early September because the launch was delayed multiple times due to weather, due to hydrogen leaks, all that stuff. But so many videos that I posted of these interviews yeah. and interactions and what I learned there. And that's what I wanted to share was share the knowledge of this to share how important it is. Because as we, if people are nerds about space, they know that one of the big reasons why Apollo just died is because public interest died. And that's what's so important why they do these NASA social events with almost everything. So the Crew-5 launch that was partnered with SpaceX that sent more to the International Space yeah. Station, they had a NASA social for that. They have NASA socials for every launch with NASA to bring in people to talk about it because you think about it, it's an organic way to have people talk about what you're doing and you don't have to pay them. They're just excited to be there. Uh, so <laughs> uh, and that's very clear that we do not provide any lodging. We don't provide food. You're all on your own. We provide you access. I'm like, I'm cool with that. Cause I'm a nerd. Um, you're like, I got a tent in the car. I'm exactly, ready. <laughs> exactly. So part of the, what, what was so cool and neat about it at the same time though, is that we were set to watch the launch from the, the vehicle assembly building. So it's that huge tall building that you see so many photos of that. They build these, crafts in they where they assemble them and that's the deepest in so we're basically the closest you could be to the launch from anybody else but we're even ahead of the countdown clock which is where we would be and what's neat is that on the first day of launch even the, the vice president was on top of the vab and we didn't know it because it's apparently really windy because it's you know multiple stories high. and we're like we were that close to one of the okay cool uh that's how deep we were uh, in terms of the access that's that we amazing. were receiving but because we're so deep with the traffic, we have to be there seven hours before launch. <laughs> we have to check in. And we knew that ahead of time. So I prepared. I had I had a, a, Apollo 13 on my iPad. I had the Martian on my iPad. So I'm just sitting on the bus because it's, or, it's Orlando-ish area. It is hot. I'm standing yeah. on the bus. It's yeah. air conditioned. And then it, you know, doesn't happen. So I have to extend my stay. And me... Obviously, being a quote unquote pro at marketing and communications when it doesn't happen, I like go to the community like, hey, folks, I need money. <laughs> yeah. I need money. So I had such a great, tremendous amount of support from my friends, family and community to donate $25 here, $50 there, because I need to extend my stay by basically a week to get yeah. a hotel. And luckily, oh, on the side, I'm also a travel agent. That's another one of the things that I do. Uh, forgot to mention that. This man does not live on the same 24-hour clock as us, Austin. This, so. is, this, is, this is the most impressive man I've ever met in my entire life. So. He's got one of those Harry Potter uh, time turners. Oh, totally. Totally. That's what I do. Um, so I was able to use some discounts. That helped a lot. Uh, the travel agent yeah. discounts. But oh, that's to, smart. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had to extend my stay. But what I did is because people were supporting me through this is 
I'm not going to use it to just sit around. I'm going to go to Kennedy Space Center and deeply explore. So I made sure to yeah, use smart. some of the money that people gave me because I ended up raising more than I needed, which is a fantastic problem to have. Went back yeah. to Kennedy Space Center and then signed up for these lunch with an a- with a- with an astronaut type of things where it's you and maybe maximum of 15 other people and you're having heavy hors d'oeuvres and you're having a Q&A with an astronaut. That's so come cool. on <laughs> that's um, so cool if anything i, I know I'm, I'm hustling up here but if anything i highly recommend kennedy space center you get to see the spatial atlantis with the bay doors open and it, it is emotional when you see the doors open to it because they do such a great job with the cues i, I this is it is run by a for-profit company in partnership with nasa but they have done such a fantastic job of the presentation and we all know presentation is everything just like oh, when yeah. you when you eat you're eating with your eyes you're eating with your nose you're eating with your mouth it's not a one trick pony when you're experiencing a museum it's not just what you see with your eyes is what they make you feel in your heart it's what you hear what you smell all these types of things right they do an incredible job of making you feel so much when you're at this museum i cannot recommend enough being down there and experiencing it. if you have any sort of minimal fascination in space Kennedy Space Center Gotta do makes it. it awesome for you. So that that was my experience, and I'm going to go again. The launch is set for November 14th at 12.07 a.m. Oh, man. Less so than overnight, two weeks. Overnight awesome. launch. Uh, we got an Airbnb. Whoa. I have a couple of buddies driving down with me now. I'm not flying, saving money. And we've got an Airbnb on Cocoa Beach. So I'm going to go do my NASA thing. They're going to be able nice. to step right outside the Airbnb onto the beach and, and look watch up. it and see it oh, so that's so cool well we hey, can't yeah, wait to follow learned. along that's going to be awesome yeah yeah thank you <laughs> I, I i just hear the consistent theme of awareness like that's what i yep. heard here it's like it's like if you get one thing out of this it's like how do you drive more awareness and don't worry too much about targeting the right exact audience in the early days just yes. get awareness out there and then you can fine-tune that stuff as you go well justin man i i dude i feel like we're best friends now i could talk to you and austin for hours and uh unfortunately we got to wrap it up here but what is What's the best way for everybody listening to this to, to connect with you guys and, and support you? Absolutely. So specialympicstn.org is the website. Obviously, we're all over social media. Uh, Facebook, Special Olympics Tennessee. Twitter, Special Olympics uh, S-O Tennessee. Sorry, this was developed before I came in. I'm like, what branding is this? Anyways, uh, Instagram, Special Olympics TN. We have a TikTok channel that I'm just working to build a little bit on there too, but it's been so fantastic to see other Special Olympics organizations on TikTok. LinkedIn as well. Really, really value LinkedIn a lot more now. And then me, the biggest platform that I'm on is Twitter at Justin B. Bradford. But you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. More than happy to connect on LinkedIn. And I want to throw this out there as a plug too. If you know anyone in college that is in marketing, communication, sports, journalism, anything like that, I'm hiring interns for the spring semester and the summer semester. So if you want to work in sports, but also try your hand at nonprofit and create content and work like that, I'm hiring an intern. I'll be more than happy to talk with anybody. And that's on teamwork online. You can find that. Awesome. That's fantastic. For that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm if you're listening along for a while, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Justin, if you poach my guy, I mean, we're going to have words. No, I will. Uh, we'll be sure to tag you guys in our show notes as well. And make sure that, you know, anyone listening has the opportunity to just easily click over to your website and, um, Make sure that you know they stay plugged into what's going on with the Special Olympics Tennessee because you guys have uh, a lot going on, and obviously we want to make sure that we can plug people in as best as as we can. Absolutely. We appreciate it. We appreciate your volunteering as well. That, that cannot be thanked enough of volunteering to come out to our event tomorrow. Hey, 
we we we're excited about it. I I'm not getting on a rower. That's my least favorite exercise <laughs> equipment. But I'm gonna I'm excited to see real professionals get on there and, and show me what I could do if I just practiced a little harder. So fantastic. Well, Justin, we appreciate you joining us today. We appreciate everybody listening, watching, all the things. And we'll see you next week. Peace.